We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And let's talk about this series for about a couple of seconds here because if the team is all about Joel Embiid, and he's amazing, but if Ben Simmons is not going to be anything more than he is now, there's nothing. they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy and Embiid have nice little chemistry, um, but Ben Simmons is clearly the X factor. We know how good he can be. We saw him at Oracle take over a game defensively, kind of have a LeBron-like effort with you know the, the 20, 10, and 10, and um, we know how good he can be. But when you see games like game one versus the Nets, you wonder, you know, is he going to be that guy or is he always going to be this guy who fluctuates? We have a call on line one, Bud from Oakland. Bud, how you doing? How y'all doing this evening? Good, man. On, man. Good, man. What you got on Boone? Hey, uh, listen, um, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe in the, the, the fans booing the team. I mean, if it's a regular season game, your team's not getting up and down the court. I understand, you know, like, hey, you know, it's not enough effort. Game one of a playoff series, no, no booing should be allowed. Now, if it's if they're on the verge of being swept, it's game four and your team is still not just doing anything, then okay, I understand. You know, you paid money, you want to see something, and you're going to boo your team. But game one, I think that's just unacceptable. And, you know, uh, that's just a true testament to the Bay Area and our fan base what we have here, whether it be any team we have in the Bay Area. Uh, we get behind them all the way, man. Win, lose, move out. The, out I mean, look at the Raiders. The Raiders are getting ready to move out, and we're still behind them. You know what I mean? I mean, I am. I'm from Oakland, so. You know, but uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. But appreciate the call. Yeah, I, I, th- I do think that is a Bay Area thing, though. I, I have never been – I'm not a not an A's guy, but Giants fans, they're never booing any of their players. Aubrey Huff can go 0 for 80 after – And he did. <laughs> and he did. Stole money from that franchise, but they still cheered him, right? Um I think that is a barrier thing. I think maybe that's more of Do you think they a, would be more consistent if they got a little criticism, though, instead of just the pom-poms out and, you know, kind of, oh, he was great in 2010. <laughs> you know, we're going to let you, you know, hit 190 for four years in a row. So that is a great point because the media is different from the way it is in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, than it is in the Bay Area, right? So Bay Area media is pretty soft. There's nobody out here that's essentially coming out here and, and roasting KD or like all this stuff about KD. They're not really saying anything, right? They're not really saying anything about him that's bad or there's nothing saying that he's not reliable, right? And so I think that trickles down to the fans. I mean, you're out here listening to to you know Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper, who are my favorite announcers. I don't think there's anything better, right, in the Bay Area. But but at the same time, I don't. They're not necessarily going to be going after the players. Same with. You know, our guy Bob Fitzgerald, um, not necessarily going after the players. So I think that's I think that's something that rubs off on the players as oh sorry on the fans as well. You know, the fans aren't going to have that same um, same feelings towards the players. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean the culture is different in every city. Um, the Bay Area, we don't we don't see fans booing as hard as we do in Philadelphia. Clearly, um, 
Make sure to call in. Let us know if you think it's acceptable to boo the home team, 888-957-9570. Text us at the Chilton Auto Body text line, 95795. Yeah, one more. We got to do legal ID. So you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1, KGMZ San Francisco, a radio.com sports station. We got some text on this. Oh, you're going to like this one. I saw that. I knew you were going to read it. <laughs> um, from the 562. You say fans are making it about them and not the players. If there's anyone who can do it, it's the fans. They are the NBA. Without them and their money, there's nothing. They're crucial to it as the players. They're the 12th man, so to speak. Did, kinda, you, did you send this from your phone? Did you Did you just my I burner? Didn't see, I didn't see you on your phone, yeah. <laughs> There's a burner text there. No, but it's true. I mean, pro sports doesn't exist without a fanatical following. Fans, fan is short for fanatical. This whole thing is predicated off the fa- the fact that fans will consume the product and care about the product. They're willing to pay to go to games. They watch it on TV when they don't go to games. They stream it. They pay attention um, on Twitter. They listen to talk radio. So I, I always kind of cringe when I hear players criticize the fans because it shows just a lack of awareness. It's like you're so in your own world and entitled that you don't realize the reason you have this living and you're able to make the money you do is because there are millions of people who are obsessed with these things you're able to do. So if they criticize you here and there, just take it. If they, you know, if they're not if they're not insulting your family, if they're not making comments that are clearly across the line, just 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 take it. Where's here's my thing, Sam. If these fans decide not like what are they going to do? They're not going to be Sixers fans. Like, these Sixers fans right here that are booing, you really think they're going to stop being Sixers fans? I, I sincerely doubt that. But is he making life easier on himself? Because I don't think these fans are going to like Ben Simmons. I don't think they're going to stop When Ben Simmons booing. wins a big playoff game, they're going to like Ben Simmons. Is he making life easier for himself? Yeah, well, no. But my thing is, these guys aren't going Doesn't he anymore. have enough pressure on him to, to play better? To does shoot, he need to make a jump shot? The, yes, to make a jump <laughs> shot. Does he, need, does he need Philly talk radio? Uh, and the Philly fans to be on him all the time on top of it, on top of what they already are. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, he doesn't need any of that. He's, it shows a lack of awareness. I just, I just think uh, from the other side too. I just think these guys aren't going anywhere, man. Like these fans I hear that are booing, that are, these are diehard fans, right? Like these diehard guys can be Philly fans for life. They take pride in that. Um, I don't even know when the last time was that they won, but they probably take pride in being a diehard Philly Shout fan. Out Moses so, Malone, yeah, <laughs> love that. Love that NBA history knowledge, but they're not going anywhere. So, anyway, text us nine five seven nine five. We've got so many, uh, some I can't read actually. But tweet us Warriors World Radio. Call us eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero on whether fans can boo their players. Now, the uh, more about the more about the fans because let's talk about Oracle for a second. I want to switch it up a little bit and bring it home. Bring it home. Last. Last you've you've got season tickets. Sam goes to like every game almost. He can won't he won't admit it. But how, your opinion? How how have the fans been? Uh, the Warriors fans been this year? Because I am interested to see how they act through this playoffs. Because it is the last postseason at Oracle ever, and so it's already a, it's already been a great game one, right? So I, we're both going to be at game two. Fascinating to see how it's going to look the rest of the way. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, 
it's a popular trope to say, you know, Oracle isn't what it once was because the ticket prices are expensive. That's objectively true, but I don't think you can really stop that. When when you have maybe the greatest assemblance of talent and kind of the most um, most talented sports team, forget NBA, most talented sports team in North America, you're going to get everyone wanting to come out, not just the diehards. Um, I thought Game 1's atmosphere was great, and I think that's kind of what Oracle is these days. They're not getting up for every game the way they were in 2014, but they can still get up for games. Yeah, there's still there's still a vibe there. There's still a sound, um, an extra sound that just gets kind of scary in there when you're when you're an opposing player. And for the Clippers, who, you know, outside of Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, really haven't been in the playoffs, um, you can kind of see Landry Shamit and Shea Gilgula Alexander look a it's little a lot shook for out a rookie. There. It's a lot for a rookie's first playoff game to deal with Steph going nuts, and nothing gets Oracle going like Steph hitting 30-plus footers. From the 707, fans should boo all they want. They spend all this money to go to a playoff game and watch their team lay an egg. They won't boo if you play with effort. That, that's all I'm saying. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I, you know, I the but So I'm curious because it's just it, it feels like more of an East Coast thing. Like, you see Laker fans do this, and I wouldn't say that Philly fans are better than Laker fans. Like, I wouldn't say that, you know, Celtics fans are necessarily better than Warriors fans. It, it kind of feels like... It might it, be an East Coast culture thing? It's like a culture, exactly. Kind of like something that's kind of brought down by, you know, like the Andy, the, the Boston version of Sam and Andy on the radio, you know? Just kind of, you know, if we were in Boston, we'd be screaming about Kevin Durant right now. Who would, be, who would we be screaming about? Maybe Steve Kerr. He didn't play Steph enough minutes, not enough pick and roll. You know, we could scream about that for like an hour. Um, but, you know, I think it's more of something that more happens there than it does happen here. And maybe you're right on the Ben Simmons side. He should be used to it. This is not his first year as a Sixers player. This is probably not the first time he's dealt with Sixers fans, you know, kind of acting like this. So I, he should be used to it. Joel Embiid looks like he is. And I think Embiid also knew that they played poorly. Like there was a, there was a, yeah, you, you see how he tried to transition until we just weren't hitting shots. Um, and he's like, I get it when shots don't go in, fans get upset that see, that's how you kind of temper the flames, put phantom down, you know, instead of lighting a torch to the fire, you just kind of, you know, yeah, we played poorly. They booed. I didn't like them booing us, but you know, we play better. They'll cheer. Yeah. It takes some kind of internal responsibility, right? Cause you are the, you are the show here. And those same fans are going to be behind you when you do play well. And, you know, we do think the Sixers are going to win this series, right? They should. They should. And when they do play well, the fans will be behind them. And I, so I think it is, you know, as a player, as a person, there are moments where you kind of kind of look at yourself and say, hey, this is my fault. You know, I didn't play well. I didn't show up. I didn't do this. And you kind of take that into an account and why people are, you know, acting like this. And, you know, I, I think that, Someone like Steph Curry. Oh, I'm going to bring it all the way back. All the way back to Steph Curry. And kind of say, I think Steph understands from a crowd perspective that, you know, they may need him to amp him up. You know, and they may need more fist pumping from Steph, more screaming, more of this kind of raw, raw. And in the Philly, kind of in the Philly case, that's usually Embiid. Embiid plays the Steph role with that crowd getting them going. And maybe it is as simple as his knees. His knee is hurt. He's injured. Watching him play, he's not moving at the same speed he usually does. And maybe if he can't get them going, you know, that's what leads. That's what happens there. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, your point on Steph is right. No one plays to the Oracle crowd better than Steph. <laughs> Draymond. I guess Draymond's right there. That's true. <laughs> a little yin and yang. A little yin and yang. 707. I feel like we're getting a lot from 707, and it's not the same person. Um, from Philly, after watching the process for years and first-round picks flame out, we deserve the boo. Here's where I got to pick a bone, all right? Because I don't think you deserve to necessarily do anything, right? You were fans of the process. You wanted that to happen, right? I, from what I saw, Philly fans were happy about the process. They liked that they were losing because they were getting multiple picks. So if we're talking about deserve, it's got a little bit different to do with it. Um, so I think it kind of depends on how you just feel and, and, and how you act in those moments, which, you know, to come back to it, every play, a little too much. Currently, the poll is showing 68% agree that fans should be able to boo the home team. Yeah, turns out that fans are going to root for fans being able to boo, Sam. Not That's shocking. right. Not shocking. <laughs> there's, time to, there's time to flip that poll, though, if a lot of you disagree. Call in here, 888-957-9570. We have Jovan Buha from The Athletic coming up. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, coming up after the Yovan. break. And, Johan. Jovan. Jovan. Hopefully, hopefully hope he's, he's not, not listening. listening. Yeah, hope he's not. Hope he's not hearing us. Yeah, if you're hearing us, Jovan. Wait, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll move on from there. Anyway, hope you on to talk about the Clippers. He covers them from the Athletic. Um, Andy, Andy showing his fob side, not able <laughs> to pronounce anything. <laughs> All right, we got a couple minutes for a go on break here, Sam. Um, I guess a couple more, couple more, um, couple more texts. Four one five. Ooh, can't read this one, but it says SF Giants suck. Nobody booing them. They set off fireworks the other night when they won after 18 innings. So real quick San Francisco uh, thing. Everything's about a mile away from each other. So I heard the fireworks. I'm sure you heard the fireworks. I think the entire city heard the fireworks. They woke me up because I was definitely not staying up till 1 a.m. to watch the Giants. And I'm... Yeah. But... 1 a.m. on a Friday night. You weren't up, huh? That's how washed you are. So. <laughs> I have things to do in the morning. <laughs> the Giants at 7 and 10. We could probably talk Giants for 30 minutes. Sam, We're not going to talk Giants for 30 minutes. Um, from the 707, I envision Nets winning in six. Jimmy Butler leaving after telling his teammates how much they suck, then Ben Simmons getting traded. That's definitely one version of fan fiction I could see happening. <laughs> um, I think Philly rallies on this one, but I did think it was interesting. It kind of speaks to how nervous that whole situation is that they go down in the first quarter and the boos start raining in can kind of let you know how tumultuous a year it's been, how this all-star team has never quite kind of come together the way we thought it would on paper. Um, I think this series is going to stay interesting. And with the Nets winning the first game, this one might go seven. <sighs> the Nets with Karis LeVert as one of their top offensive players. Hey, that's a good player. Yeah, well. Also, shout-out to Karis LeVert coming back from that awful foot injury in the beginning of the season where that thing turned completely. I've never seen anything like that. I was surprised he didn't break anything. Um, I'm not going to recommend any of you go watch it, but that was one of the more miraculous how he didn't um, you know, go full Gordon Hayward. Um, and it's great. He played a great game one. So you love to see that where the guy has kind of uh, a really scary injury, misses, what, four months, almost five months? and comes back and plays a great game one in the playoffs. 
Yeah, Brooklyn Nets, maybe one of the up-and-coming teams. Maybe if KD wants to go on that side of the... A lot of parallels between them and the Clippers. Uh, the Nets were just lucky enough to not draw the Warriors. <laughs> Although they probably put up a better fight than the Clippers, you know? I don't know. Good team, good good, uh, good GM. Good. Uh, I, I don't, there's not much you can do when Steph gets in one of those zones. It doesn't matter how great your backcourt is. It's always about Steph, Court, Steph Curry on Warriors World Radio here. So we're going to break here on the other side. We've got Jovan Buha from The Athletic to talk about the Clippers. Now back to Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Espandiari. Sam spent all break booing me for the uh, for the pronunciation of Yovan Buha. So, going to get that right for the rest of the show. We're going to have him on here. Actually, we're going to have him on here right now. Yovan, sir, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Doing well, doing well. Do I have it right, Yovan Buha? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you were listening earlier. I butchered it about 10 times. So after I got yelled at a few times, I got it right. So appreciate you for jumping on, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so let's talk, let's talk Clippers. Let's talk Warriors. You cover the Clippers for the Athletic and was at the game, game one. And I am curious about Steph Curry and the crowd reaction and how the Clippers handled that. Because they've got a bunch of young guys. Got two rookies in their starting lineup. Um did you see anything in the players that made it seem like, hey, this is kind of their first playoff game. This could get a little ugly. Yeah, I thought Zubat was really the one who you saw early. Uh, he was really frazzled. And, you know, Doc chewed him out in that first time out. And he only played 10 minutes. He's been playing around like 19, 20 minutes a night, um, you know, since, since being acquired by the Clippers. So that was a very uncharacteristic performance from him. Um, I, I thought you... I don't think Landry Shamit was bothered by the moment, but he was taken out by Clay. Uh, and then Shea, I thought you saw him kind of rushing things in the pick and roll, just kind of when he got into the paint. He didn't really look as comfortable as he normally does. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's, you know, why Oracle is such a scary place to play at is, um, you know, without a lot of gets and, and when Steph goes on those runs, it's just like, especially if you're a young team, um, I can only imagine how, how kind of frantic that could be. So, I definitely thought they there were moments where they looked like you know kind of scared of the moment. I guess I would say, uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, it was just the talent disparity is too much to overcome. And uh, I thought the Clippers actually defended the Warriors reasonably well, uh, all things considered, with their defensive personnel. It was just you know you you make a mistake here or there, and stuff makes you pay. So we saw Patrick Beverly do Patrick Beverly things. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was baiting KD all night, and he eventually got them both ejected. I think uh, Steve Kerr said it best. He said, that's a trade they'll make every time. Um, should we expect to see more of this? Uh, do we expect to see this ramped up, or was this kind of like game one? Um, you know, get a, you know, it got a little feisty, kind of the end of the game, and you know, everyone's going to probably just move beyond it. I, I think you're going to see more of it. I actually do think that the, the Clippers are going to switch Pat onto Steph. Uh, Steph has just killed them this season, and Doc said it in the, in the post-game presser. I mean, he's really killed them for, like, the last five years, but this season especially he's averaging, I think, over 35 points, like, you know, fit, oh, close to 55% shooting. Like, he's just torched the Clippers. So 
the, the Clippers need to do something about that. And I, I think, you know, people thought it was a gimmick. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to, I've been on a couple of Warriors shows and they've been like, oh, you know, this is a gimmick, Pat guarding KD. It's like, no, like he, he's legitimately their best perimeter defender. They've, they put him on LeBron. They put him on Paul George. He's actually defended those guys reasonably well. Uh, so I think they were just kind of like, we have to pick our poison. Let's put Pat on KD. Let's hope he can get into his legs, bother him a little bit, take away his dribble, take away his driving. Like, you know, let's see if that works. And I think it worked okay. Like, you know, KD only had 23. Uh, he was 8 for 16. But, uh, you know, they turned him into a, a facilitator. Uh, but I think it ended up letting Steph go off, though. So, I mean, the Clippers are really in a tough position because they don't have great perimeter defenders. And, you know, I wrote in my preview, like, you can't have Pat Beverly guard Steph, Clay, and KD. You're going to have to pick one guy. So I think they're going to put him on Steph in game two, or at least more than he defended him in game one. Uh, I would guess they'd put Gallo on KD and then probably have Shea defending Draymond in that help role. But look, they don't really have a lot of options to go to. This isn't the, you know, the 2016 Thunder, or like last year's Rockets team. They, they don't have like a, a slew of wing defenders. So I do think you'll see more of it. Like, look, you know, he, he gets into it, like, all, especially from the road. He, he, you know, in OKC, he's gone into it and in Dallas and he's like, he gets into it wherever he goes. So, uh, I think like, to expect that in game two, you know, you have to know Pat's going to go. Yeah, that. and which is interesting because for Doc Rivers, you would think when he's seen the Warriors you know, so many times every year and knowing the Warriors, you got to take out Steph on offense and you want KD to be the one that scores and takes 20 shots, right? So, um, yeah, I would expect that too as well. I'm curious, um, you, you, you're in the locker room a lot, you know the Clippers well. Why did Doc Rivers kind of feel that moment to say that Steph is underrated? Uh, Doc, Doc is very, you know, he, he's very smart with how he handles the media. And I, I think he, he knows what he's doing and he, he gives out praise uh, selectively. And, you know, I, I don't really know what the MO behind that necessarily was. Uh, I think part of, uh, I think what, what led into the question was, was Steph's 15 rebounds. So he, he was responding to that and just saying overall, like, you know, this guy, is a much better player than we, you know, we talk about. And he's not just a shooter or scorer. He can do other things. And, you know, I think he's underrated. So I think that was more of the context of that. But, but Doc, I mean, Doc was, was praising Steph all, all post game, And I think, like, you know, I, I know from, from talking to the team and, and talking to people around the team, like, Steph is their number one concern right now. And, you know, they have had no success defending him uh, in, in transition. Like, in the half court, they've been okay. But, even so, like, Shea can't really get around ball screens. Uh, he, he's not, you know, I, I think they wanted to use his length on, on Steph and then hope that would bother him. But he, he's just, you know, he's a rookie He's a rookie point guard. Like, he, he doesn't know how to get around screens uh, as well as some other guys. So uh, I think they're going to, you know, they're probably going to have to throw some type of gimmick, whether it's, you know, doubling him all the time or, or Pat, you know, just trying to get under his skin, something. Because what they're doing right now is not working. And if Steph was 11 for 16, it looked like he was just walking into shots and, uh, the Clippers had no answer for him. So the one Clipper who I thought was great yesterday uh, was Montrez Harrell. Um, he he basically played boogie off the – it was hard for the Warriors to even play boogie against him. My question is, do you think they're just going to go more and more to Montrez? Are you going to eventually start? Because Zubac was uh, was a little rough. Yeah. No, I, I – it's been, a, it's been a problem for the Clippers all season where – Trez is just outplayed, you know, whether it was Gortat or now Zubats, 
Trez has just been so much better than the starting center. And, you know, I've, I always thought they should just start him. Like, I know he, he comes with some complications against bigger centers like a Rudy Gobert right. or, or someone like that. But I think in this matchup in particular, he destroyed Cousins. Like, Cousins could not defend the Lou Trez pick and roll. Um, you know, I thought the difference, like, I'd actually written, you know, kind of looking back the last two games, Trez had struggled. Uh, and he struggled against Boogie. He struggled against Bogut. And, you know, they're, they're blocking his shots, kind of pushing him around. Uh, I thought in game one, he was the initiator with, with physical contact. He was the one driving into them, smashing them inside and, and, and kind of, you know, just getting fouled, doing his normal Trez stuff. So I do think as the season, or I mean, as the series progresses, not only is he going to be more important, but I think Jermichael Green is going to be more important. I, I could see, you know, maybe the Clippers go with Jermichael Green starting or, you know, I, because I, Doc just loves, tying Lou and Trez together because Trez is so much better with Lou, uh, you know, in that pick and roll attack. So, uh, you know, they're almost handcuffed together, but I could see a scenario maybe where Jermichael Green starts in, in Zubats' place if, if Zubats continues to struggle, but I just don't see a, a great way for Zubats to play in the series just because the Warriors force you into so many difficult decisions defensively and you have to make quick decisions, quick reads, and that's just not really a uh, traditional center's uh, strong suit. Yeah, I think end of the day too for the Clippers is kind of the the few good story of the uh, of the postseason, right? I think they're happy to be here. I think Doc Rivers is happy that he's coaching a team yeah. that he can actually coach. I'm sure, he loves that. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on the vision of the team because ever since Jerry West has been there, and you know, I don't we don't know how much, or at least I don't know how much you know power or pull he has in these trades that he's manufactured. But kind of what's the vision there? Are we talking you know Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kevin Durant? Um, seems like they have a good group of young guys mixed with solid veterans on good contracts. But what's the visionary in the future, and what do, what should we expect from the Clippers the next couple of years? Yeah, they're, they're going big game hunting this summer. Uh, I think there's, there's no secret about it. Like they have enough cap space right now. If they renounce their, you know, all their free agents or, or at least most of them, they'd be around like 55 million in cap space, which is enough for one max guy and potentially. Two, if, if they shed a, another contract or two, uh, so I, I think that you know they're going to try to get two guys uh, that, that is very ambitious. It has not been you know done. Uh, really, Miami's kind of the only example of, of a team getting two max guys in the same summer. Uh, so I think you know they'll, they'll happily take the consolation prize of, of one of those guys. Uh, for them, it's Kawhi and Katie. I think they think that. KD's probably going to stay in Golden State or go to New York, and, and they're not really in that mix. So I, I think that's why it, you know publicly they've uh, been more kind of interested in Kawhi. I'm sure if KD you know was a more realistic target, that he would probably be their top choice. But um, you know I, I think for for now Kawhi you know seems to be the guy that they've been most linked to. Uh, but I, I think they're going to go after Jimmy Butler. I think they're going to go after Kyrie. Uh, Clay, uh, but again, Clay seems like an unrealistic one. So I, I think if they strike out on those top four or five, uh, for them, it's, it's going to be about rolling over their cap space and just kind of maintaining flexibility. Like they're not, they're not in a rush. And I think that's kind of the, the thing that's nice about the approach they're taking is, you know, they're not like the Knicks who kind of just went all in, uh, on this summer. And if the Knicks don't get someone, it's going to kind of look pretty bad. Like if the Clippers don't get someone, they can roll over, you know, basically the same exact team they have right now uh, into next season. Still be a playoff contender. Still have their their picks. Still have these young guys on on deals, and potentially go into twenty twenty or twenty twenty one 
with a bunch of cap space. So I think they're, they're trying to be aggressive in the short term while also having the long-term view of, you know, the Warriors are still there. Uh, you know, the, the Celtics are, could be a move away from, from being a really strong contender. Like, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Lakers and stuff. But they're not, you know, I think they're, they're trying to have a realistic approach of you can't just assume you're going to get a Kawhi or a KD or, or a Kyrie in, in the summer. You have to look at the long-term view. So uh, I think if they get one of those guys, which I personally think they're probably going to get Kawhi, uh, then I think they'll you know kind of move forward as in contention mode. If they don't and strike out, then I think they're going to take a long-term view of two, three years down the road and, and kind of build around Shea and Landry and, and Zubats and, and some of their picks that they have down the road. You know, one thing I find interesting is um, you're you're not saying anything that hasn't been said for majority of the year, which is kind of they want to be big time free agency players. They want to go after the supermax guys, the Kawhis, the KDs, the Kyrie, you know, whoever it is. Um, but it, the way that they've, how has Doc been able to manage that with the current roster? Because I'm looking across Staples Center at the Lakers, and it's been the exact opposite. You know, there's they have all the same rumors. But it basically just fragmented their locker room to the point where their season just went the complete opposite way of the Clippers. Yeah, and you brought up a good point with, with AD too, where I, I think they're a sneaky trade target for AD. Like I, I've seen, I, I know they've been mentioned because that you know reported come out where he was one of the teams, or they were one of the teams he was interested in. But you know, everyone talks about the Knicks and, and the Lakers and the Celtics, like. I kind of think the Clippers can can match, if not surpass. I mean, it depends how the the Pelicans. What's the package they can put together? So I I think you, you'd probably it'd probably be something around Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, Landry Shamit, Montrez Harrell. Uh, you might have to throw in Lou or Gallo, depending on the, the salary the the Pelicans want to dump, and then that twenty twenty one unprotected Miami pick. Okay. Uh, possibly uh, Philly's 2020 pick, and, okay. and then like you know maybe the, the Clippers own one of their first. Like, yeah. I mean th- that's maybe more of an aggressive offer, but like th- they can throw that out there. And I think it just comes down to how you view Shea and then you know what you think of him. But um, you know, there's that clip. I don't know if you guys saw that clip that went viral uh, a couple days ago once David Griffin was hired by the Pelicans. But he kind of laid out. He's like, if I was the Pelicans GM, this is what I'd want. And it was like a promising young guy, you know, a really good veteran and a really good pick. The Clippers can offer all of that. And uh, I think, you know, the Celtics, you don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. The Lakers, like they only kind of have the young guys, and those guys are very polarizing around the league. Uh, the Knicks really only have the assets if they get like a top two or three pick, which we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Like, So I think the Clippers, you know, they're kind of there in plain sight as, as it maybe the number one AD contender that no one's really talking about. Uh, but to, to your point about the, the ego stuff, like it, it's just really been the culture they, they've built. Like they, they've really focused on these like blue chip, tough minded, you know, blue collar guys who, you know, a guy like Patrick Beverly, he, he is thinking about free agency, but he's also concerned about this season and he's never going to let his ego or his role kind of get in the way of that. And I think they've just done a good job of, you know, Pat and, and Lou and Trez and Michael Green and, um, you know, Garrett Temple and all. They just have a really good uh, guys who care more about, like, you know, this is a very team-first, uh, you know, it's just a very team-first locker room. And that's, that's really, I mean, I've been surprised. Like, there's been no drama all season. Really the only, the closest thing to drama has been, you know, after Avery Bradley was traded, 
he took some shots at the Clippers' offense <laughs> and was like, you know, I yeah. wasn't used right. That was about so he was it. Shooting like thirty five percent. So that that was really it. Like other other than that, there's been there's been no infighting. There's been no beef between anybody. No one's really been unhappy with the role. It's, it's been pretty much a perfect locker room all season, which has really surprised me because I looked at it. I was like, three quarters of these guys are going to be free agents. Um, you know, there's there's such a deep team. Like little, they have twelve guys who protect who think they're yeah. playing. Like a little bit yeah, different I, from uh from the Chris Paul days. A little bit different yeah. from the from the Chris <laughs> yeah. Paul Blake Griffin days. Well, we'll get you out for the last question here. I know we'll probably know what your prediction is, but how do you see the rest of the series going? Oof. Ah. Four or five, I think, may be the question here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've gone back and forth. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with five. That, okay. that, you know, I think I think the Warriors are going to go up 3-0. I think they're going to have a Friday and Saturday night in L.A. Uh, L.A. nightlife is undefeated, and I think they lose game four, come back to Oracle, and win game five. Ooh, game four is a noon start on a Sunday. That, yeah. that is a Ooh. good point. It's a sneaky... Sneaky one for those who like to bet. <laughs> That's a rough one. Jovan, Buha, Athletic, Clippers, I appreciate you for jumping Thank on. Thank you, man. man. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Yeah, I didn't know that the game four was a Sunday afternoon 2 p.m. game. That could get ugly. Noon. Noon Pacific. Oof. Noon Pacific. Or 1230, but yeah. Same. You think Clay goes like two for 20 that game, you think? <laughs> we see, we've seen noon clay it goes it can go both ways he can he can also get obscenely hot and you're like i don't know how he's doing this <laughs> well we'll see you know that's a great point of that game four because in sixteen seventeen, when the warriors were completely locked in and they rolled through 16 and one against portland in game four they came out they didn't mess around they completely blew out the blazers on their home court in the first quarter that game was over from the jump um it was a little bit different the other years is uh, last year. For this year, it'll be curious to see how they'll come out again. Are they going to be locked in? Do they do want to show that they're by far the best team in the league? Or, or are they going to go back to being who they usually are? You know, the Warriors that are so great and confident that they kind of mess around uh, in these type of games because they know that you know, if we lose game four, you know, what does it matter? <laughs> so we'll see what type of, type of Warriors uh, come out here. Um, yeah, well, I was going to ask you um, – We'll see. We'll see how they go the whole way through. Um, in general, I do like this Clipper team, and it is kind of interesting that you know it, this league never stops. You know, the Warriors ruin the league, but you know now now the Clippers are kind of building something. They got some young players. They got some cap space. They might be the next team on the rise. You, know, you never know how these things go. Uh, make sure to call in here. Ooh, missing the number eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Tweet us Warriors World Radio. And text us on the Chillin' Auto Body text line 95795. We've got about 20 minutes here, Sam, before we get out of here. Should we, should we talk a little about the other series? Should we, um, should we go, go a little Portland OKC, uh, Denver San Antonio? I want to talk about Denver San Antonio. Right now the Rockets are up 20 on Utah. Looks like they're going to win game one. Um, I think we both agree we think Houston's going to win this series. Warriors going to get another shot at Houston. Oh, Internally, I know they probably want to put to rest the idea that Houston could have beat them if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. Um, but the other side of the bracket is interesting because I have no clue how to read it. Uh, I was all in on OKC, but then Paul George got hurt, and he kind of he went from being an MVP caliber player who was shooting like he was Clay Thompson, in addition to all the other great things he does, to you know he. His shoulder looks messed up. He can't buy a shot right now. And, you know, if he can't hit an outside shot, 
it really inhibits your game. Shout out Russell Westbrook. The Warriors are going to play the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. Is that what you're thinking? That's it's it's not Demar it's, Derozan. It's ugly. It's is Demar Derozan going to get to the Conference Finals while Kawhi bounces out in the second round of Toronto? <laughs> That's good radio. I was going to say <laughs> Warriors and Spurs is not good radio. But that is good radio. Kawhi Leonard going out in the second round, or even the first. We're not going to talk about the magic here and and the Raptors. We won't do that to you guys. I'll say this. If Toronto bows out early, it doesn't (laughs) look like it's going to be because of Kawhi because he looked great yesterday. The jokes have still got to run, Sam. That's how this works. But... I mean, the Nuggets don't look great. Everybody, every, what everyone has said about the Nuggets has come true. Jamal Murray missed a wide open 10 foot jump shot to win that game. Elbow jumper. He couldn't get a better look than that. And that's his, that's his shot. That's probably the thing he's best at coming off the pick and roll and hitting that elbow jumper. Yep. Easy work. I mean, but he couldn't get it to go. They look like they were a little bit scared out there. They look like a team who's never been to the playoffs because they're a team who's never been to the playoffs. Um, I, I don't want to go hard on Denver because here's the thing. I think we all thought they'd make the playoffs this year, but in our minds it was like, you know, it'll be a six seed. They might, they'll win a couple games and it'll be like the first step in their growth, right? Instead, they get, get really hot and get the number two seed, and now they have these expectations, which I'm not sure they're ready for. Yeah, and, and, and call us in here to talk about, call us at uh, 888- Nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let us know what you think about the other series because oh. it does look like. I like this one particularly after the games we saw today from the six five zero. Who's better, Kyrie or Dame? See, because you saw two completely different styles from them today. Dame Dame plays a style that's a little more reminiscent of Steph. You know, he's a consummate team guy. He's moving the ball. He'll move off ball. Uh, obviously, not the shooter Steph is, though he is a very good shooter. Um, and, but he he does, he has all the intangible qualities that get kind of his team buying into him. Kyrie's a little bit of a different guy, but at the same time, that are maybe KD's the only player I'd want to have the ball, you know, at the end of a game more than Kyrie. That's about it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Then where's Steph rank on that list? He's there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think um, I think you. Who's better, Kyrie or Dame? I think in a regular season as a leader, Dame is better. Over 82? Yep. Not many better leaders than Damian Lillard in the league. Um, I think you could probably say Steph Curry is right there, if not better. He's he's had every reason to be annoyed with this situation in Portland. You know, CJ's a very good mm-hmm. player, but they've had so many run-of-the-mill guys that he's had to carry them. You know, he gets the blame when they get swept by New Orleans when if you watch that series last year, they were just double, triple teaming him and, you know, daring Mo Harkless to beat him. You never hear Dame say much. Doesn't blame any of his guys. It's, it's so easy if you want to blame Al Farouk Aminu, who was on that team before, or Mo Harkless, who was on that team. Now it'd be easy to blame those yeah, it's, guys. It's Evan Turner's fault, right? Yeah, easy, right? And it, or it's um, Neil O'Shea's fault for signing these guys to these big contracts. He could absolutely do those things, but he chooses not to. Uh, very similar to Steph. Um, so I think... As someone you want to build your franchise around, I think you want Dame. I don't think it's that close. In a series, I think you may have to go Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I mean, there's today was a perfect example. That was an ugly Boston-Indiana game. I, I mean, I was looking at the score in the fourth quarter, and I had to double-check it was the fourth quarter. Like, I knew it was because I was watching the game, but I was like, no, nah, it's not like 70-58. to 58. It's <laughs> not like 81-67 with four minutes to go. Um but, you know, he knows how to play a matchup well. He didn't even shoot well today, but was doing everything in the margins to get him the win. 
and that's just kind of who he is. Is he, he's much more comfortable playing one of those ugly playoff games than than Dame is at this point. Yeah, boy, and there might not be a person more comfortable playing that type of game uh, than Kyrie Irving. Right. Um, I mean, point. he's he's really made for '90s basketball. His game is built kind of on that Kobe Iverson, just that whole era, and kind of playing with just the physicality and kind of like the grind it to a halt style. Yeah, I think, you know, I, but on the other hand, I don't think they're getting past the Bucks. So it's one of those things where, and I think don't, I don't think Dame is, you know, likely to get past if he gets past the Thunder, which, you know, they played a decent game today and they barely won. I thought OKC played a horrid game and they barely lost. Um, but I think the Spurs are going to be that one team that, if they're going to, if they're, if the Pelicans were able to game plan Dame out of a, a series like they did last year, what do you think Greg Popovich is going to do in the second round if they get there? Right, we're looking way ahead here, but. It's looking good if the Warriors can get past the Houston Rockets. I think the Western Conference has set up perfectly the, to the Warriors, where if they can dispatch the Rockets here in the second round quick enough, it's smooth sailing. Yeah. Um, text us at the Chilton Auto Body text line, 95795, or call in 888-957-9570. From the 201, teams that can upset the Warriors in a series, Rockets and Bucks. Where do you stand, Andy? The more I watch the Milwaukee Bucks, the more I'm in love with that team. The more I see that they can not only hang with the Warriors on offense, well, maybe not all the time, but they have enough shooters. Miritich played today. He was back. Um, they have guys that can just shoot. Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Bledsoe. But they have one player that I think is better than James Harden. I don't think James Harden necessarily gives the Warriors insane matchup issues. I think they struggled with him, but I think it was more the Rockets' defense that made him work for it. I think Giannis is a player that can give him problems like nobody else can, almost LeBron-style, LeBron-esque in a way that they might not, they might just not be able to contain him. The only thing I'll say... Um... They played the Bucks twice this year, and I don't know how much you really want to take regular season matchups, particularly against an Eastern Conference team. You only play twice to matter. Um, the first game, Draymond was out with an injury, and they absolutely destroyed the Warriors at Oracle. Warriors started Jordan Bell. Um, Jordan Bell never had a shot against Giannis. Giannis did what Giannis does, which is just kind of go to the rim at will. The second game, Draymond did play, and... Actually, no, Draymond didn't play that one. I take it back. No, KD primarily guarded Giannis. And, you know, Giannis was good, but he wasn't he wasn't taken over the way he was against Detroit today. And what I'm saying is the Warriors probably have more bodies to match up against him between Draymond, between KD. Could probably get a little Iguodala on him at times, too. Um they match up well against him, and Giannis not having that comfortable outside shot yet. He's working on it. He's getting better at it, but it's not, you know, he's not comfortable in the mid-range the way that, you know, he, he'll probably be in three years, let's say. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's going to give him as much of a problem. Yeah, um, they, they also don't have the finals experience as well. Um, so call in 888-957-9570. We got a question, Rockets or Bucks, before we get out of here in about 10 minutes. Text into the Chillin' Auto Body text line 95795. So that's a question. So you think the Bucks are more likely to give the Warriors, 
to push the Warriors farther and have a better shot against them than the Rockets. Anybody that has a facsimile of LeBron James on their team, I think, is going to be able to give them problems. I just don't think this Houston Rockets team, up 16 now with six minutes left against the Jazz, they'll probably roll through the Jazz pretty quickly, it looks like, in this series. I just don't think they have that type of player. Um, I think for what James Harden is, that type of shooter, that type of guy that can wear down in a series, unless he's shooting 40% with all those step-back threes, I don't think he's outplaying Steph. I don't think he's outplaying KD. So if that's going to be... You know the one thing they do do, him and Chris Paul, is they know how to ugly up the pace. I feel like that was as big an issue last year as anything. The Warriors could not get out and run. The combo of those guys dribbling it down to two seconds every possession, and then the Rockets' defense being as physical as they were, just kind of, it took the Warriors five games to to essentially find a rhythm. Yeah, uh, that team was also, I think, playing in that series out of rhythm already. I think they were without Steph for so long that they didn't know what they were doing. Or, well, they did, but they didn't play in a way that was normal they to them. They got their chemistry back. Look at the Warriors this season. Right, so I think they do need a different type of challenge that they haven't seen before. I think the Bucks are someone that they haven't seen before. The amount of length, the amount of shooting, the amount of speed, I think that's something they haven't seen before. I think they need to see someone different, and the closest thing to that is Giannis. And here's the thing, um, which is perfect for Kevin Durant, is Giannis is going to take it upon himself to go at KD. And if he outplays KD, that's a series. Yeah. Um I mean, he is the only player in the NBA with KD's length and superior athleticism, in other words, who can actually guard him. There are guys who are better athletes than KD, but he's got three inches on him, right? And there are guys his size who just don't have the skill to hang with him. Giannis is a rare exception that, you know, he should be able to physically guard KD better than anyone. Maybe Anthony Davis. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anthony Davis, who, man... Do you think he's ever gonna weird season? Weird, just a have you ever seen a player that great just waste a season like that? Speaking of kind of like we look at Giannis and we look at the Bucks and we look at the trajectory of him and that team just from you know a lottery team to a playoff team now to a finals contender. Claytheism, the movement that has taken the NBA by storm. Claytheism, there you go. Maybe we should talk about Clay. That was a sign, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I think. That's where you know you take kind of take Giannis for granted because he really went, and that's where the comparison to LeBron to me makes sense because it's really a linear path, all the way from a rookie all the way to him now probably being MVP. Um, he's great, and I think he's the only thing at this point that's going to stand between the Warriors. You just don't know. I think the Warriors when they won sixty seven games that first season, I think a lot of people were like, "Hey, they're the favorites to, favorites to win the title," but we wouldn't be surprised if they lost. Um, if the Warriors weren't in the league, I think I would favor the Bucks to win the title, really. Yeah, maybe. Um, great. The 4-5 and five Texan, Giannis is an athlete but not skilled. I will take skill over athletic ability. That's with reference to the KD point I made. I agree with the 4-5. and five. KD is the better player. My point was more about defense. Giannis is the rare guy who has both the length and the athletic ability to guard KD in a way that I don't think anyone else does. I don't know if he can do it over... Uh, best of seven series, but he is uniquely qualified with his measurements, his athletic ability to guard Katie in a way other players can't. A lot of texts coming in. Show not body text line 95795. The next one from the 925. Unfortunately for the Warriors, the Rockets will be more fresh in the second round as opposed to the Western Conference Finals. Do you think that's a real thing? 
I do. Um, like, how much does it matter, how, though? You know? I think this would play into the Rockets' hands if the Warriors were less locked in. If the Rockets got the Warriors last year in the second round right. with Steph not coming back till game two, that would have been serious problems. But this year, the Warriors are going into the playoffs pretty much as locked in as we've seen them in a couple of years and as healthy as we've seen them in a couple of years. So assuming none of that changes, I don't think the Rockets are going to get an, an edge in that regard. Now, we should mention the Rockets entered the playoffs winning 20 of their last 23. So they are also as locked in as they've been all year. You know, they had a horrible start to the year, but they're playing their best ball. When you've got to beat the Warriors, you need a, a myriad of things to go correctly, right? You need it to go your way. You need Andre Iguodala to have a hobbled back. You need Steph Curry to have a two-week knee injury, right? That probably should have been six weeks. You need Andrew Brogut taken out. You need Draymond Green suspended. You need a bunch of things just to barely win. And I think that Houston got a lot of that that was kind of unsaid last year. The big thing is Chris Paul got hurt. Right, but the other thing was Steph was hurt too, and he wasn't. He, the chemistry wasn't the same. Andre Iguodala got hurt. KD behind the scenes had a little weird, you know, tiff with the team where he wanted to be the main guy and all the isolation stuff. I just don't think that's the case this season. Like, I don't think any of that is the case this season. At least not what they've shown yet. Remember last season they went into the playoffs. I think they were, you know, the last couple of games they gotten blown out. I think they lost to the Jazz that last game by almost like 30, 40 points. So they didn't come in playing great. And when they locked in, they still weren't that awesome. I think this season's a different story. Um, so I, I think getting the Warriors in the second round where they're going to crush the Clippers and they're going to be ready for the Rockets. And I also think they do want to prove to the rest of the league that they are much better than the Rockets. It's not about beating them. I do think they have a feeling that they want to blow them out to the point where they're undisputedly the best team in the league. It's going to be good. Um, it's coming a little early. It's going to be weird to have maybe the two best teams in the most anticipated yeah. matchup in the second round. Um, but that's good. You know, if the Warriors get through this as you know the way you're saying, they're going to have a nice little, um, I don't want to say easy series, before they go to the finals, but <laughs> definitely the easiest Western Conference finals they have to deal with. You imagine if they play the Spurs in that, like whoever they play in that third round in the Western Conference finals is just going to be, it's going to be anticlimactic, right? It's going to be something where it's like, man, they're playing the Russ and, and PG who has one shoulder just hanging off his limb there, you know? It's rough to watch a guy who's that banged up try to play through it. Like you got to, you got to commend it, but man, can't hit a shot, but he has to take it because he's the only guy on the team capable of hitting threes or, at this point, semi-capable. And it's just rough. Sam, you know what else I commend? I commend that Paul George has yet to bring it up as an excuse. Yep. He has yet to bring it up. He has yet to come out, you know, to the press conference and wearing a big, you know, shoulder brace, right? Like a like maybe like <laughs> he's not wearing a cast on his hand, you know, after series because they lost. You know, he's not acting like that's the main reason why. He's just saying, hey. You know, I got hurt, but it's not an excuse. You know, he's playing through it. He's shooting through it. Um, Paul George is a player. Yeah, he's just stuff like, happens, man. That's just what he's like, man. Stuff happens. I got to figure out how you did that. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, all right. Well, we go through the uh, the Western Conference, uh, the Spurs, the Nuggets. Do you want to talk about the Nuggets? Do you want to talk about? Uh, well, what I want here's what I want to ask you: What 
Outside of the Warriors series, what of all the first-round series are you most excited to watch after what we know in, with Game 1? Man, man, I was excited to watch this Jazz Rockets game tonight, Sam. And then the Jazz lose by 20 because they can't score. And also, so now... Turns I'll, out if you're dependent on Ricky Rubio, you're going to have problems scoring in the playoffs. It, it's going it's to be the Spurs and Nuggets. I think whoever wins that series is going to get to the Western Conference Finals. That's who the Warriors are going to play, which is like... We watched Nikola Jokic last night, and he had a triple-double, but it was one of the ugliest games that you can watch. But you didn't answer my question. Which of these series are you most excited for? Which one of these are you going to make an effort to see? That's the one. That's the one. Utah-Houston, huh? No, no, no. Spurs-Nuggets. That's Spurs the one. Spurs-Nuggets, huh? That's the one, because that's the one that the Warriors are going to play. And the one where guys are relatively healthy. And here's the thing about you the You know nu- that one's on NBA TV the rest of the way? Yeah. I'm with you. I think it'll be good basketball, um, and it shouldn't be on NBA TV, but it kind of speaks to that that might be one of those uh, hipster things. Be more into it. Yeah, one of the ones where you know about five guys on Twitter like, but beyond that, not much else. Well, for the Warriors overall, I think this is a chance for them, for Steph Curry, for Kevin Durant, for Draymond Green, for all these guys to come in here and just blow out whoever they play. I think this is a chance to cap off their dynasty, right? Like do you, do, there's no better way to do it than this. It sets up perfectly for them, right? They get an easy Clippers team. They're going to get a tough series against the Rockets, right? Then they get whoever comes out in the West bracket and they get a chance to cement themselves through EP four out of first team with four out of five, right? Since, since the Celtics, I think sixties, right? The first team to do that. And you can take down Giannis along the way. So I don't know. I, I think this sets up perfectly for the Warriors to show that they're um, one of the greatest teams of all time, if not the greatest. Yeah, they're on 60 Minutes. It's probably aired by now. I'm DVRing it, so I can't speak to it. But someone brought up a good point to me, which is, you know, 60 Minutes doesn't do sports very often. And just the fact they're covering the Warriors, they're going for their fourth and fifth year, and it's kind of this focus on what they've been able to build here. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that when you're in the moment, when it's kind of like, who are they playing next week? What's the next challenge? You kind of lose perspective for just how amazing it is to have this kind of a run. You look at any other team that we watch, you ask me, Sam, what's most exciting, right? And you're like, hey, like Dame's playing well, and Giannis is playing well, but nothing is more exciting than watching Steph go for 38. Right, breaking the three-point record, or KD playing the way he is, cementing himself as the number one, number two player in the world. Right, Draymond Green screaming at the other team's bench yesterday after the first May three was hilarious. He's just like uh, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala stripping Danilo Gallinari like he was a little kid. He made him look like a rookie. That I, play. I think what you're saying is living my best life. So somebody, uh, somebody taught Sam how to figure out uh, the tech board or whatever it is. It's kind of a big deal. Gonna be, it's going to be a great next couple weeks here. <laughs> From the 408, the Magic have a legit chance against Toronto. Um, <laughs> it'll be fun to monitor, that's for sure. Uh, considering the um, kind of insecurities Toronto has with their playoff history. We're going to end the show, Sam, talking about the Orlando Magic. The Bay Area's own Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon oh, you're going to say DJ Augustine. Oh, boy. 25 points against Larry Zero. Talk about embarrassing. <laughs> I thought you said Larry Zero, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that's Kyle Lowry, but I'll go with it. <laughs> uh, 
So we'll be on. We'll be back on uh, next week. Saturday. Warriors play Sunday. We'll be on Saturday, I'm assuming. Warriors on. Oh, right. Saturday night. That's right. Warriors with the noon game. Forgot about that. So Warriors Radio, Andy Liu, Sam Vandiari. We'll be back. Uh, Warriors after game three next Sunday, 7 to 9 p.m. Thanks for listening. We'll be Stuff back. happens, man. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.